This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 175 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of today? Well, what I can tell you is that Bob Wheeler is a man of true integrity with infectious energy. Bob Wheeler's crusade for personal growth has cross-pollinated with his accounting practice to create a new approach to personal finances. His passion is to help others gain insights about how their emotions trigger financial decisions. Combining finances with behaviors, Bob explores his personal concept of creating a healthy relationship with money in the book, The Money Nerve, Navigating the Emotions of Money, his online course, Mastering the Emotions of Money, and his podcast, Money You Should Ask. While strengthening his accounting practice, Bob has simultaneously pursued his love of satire and ventured into the realm of stand-up comedy. From his 30 years of helping clients, Bob has distilled a a concoction of warmth, humor, information, motivation, and budgeting directives that he offers to anyone with financial concerns. He is also currently the CFO for the world-famous Comedy Store. Bob's world travels had led him to high altitudes. He has climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, ascended to the Mount Everest base camp, and hiked several smaller mountains in between. With charm and humor, his experiences on the road, in the office, or running a Greek marathon feed his wit as a stand-up comic and financial motivator. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, my friend. How are you today, Bob? I'm doing great, Lisa. I'm so excited to be here. Well, it's lovely to have you. I've very much been looking forward to this as well as the global radio listeners and the podcast subscribers because more now than ever, uh, and I think this is where we should put a lot of emphasis in this conversation, is we're in the midst of a pandemic and we know that as a result of these unforeseen, unanticipated uh, circumstances, it's taken a toll heavily on everybody, including financially. So what I would like to know from you, Bob, as it specifically correlates to the pandemic, if in whatever ways you might have had to adjust your messaging, your languaging, or make certain points a little bit more prevalent or prominent, what would you say to the listeners and to the podcast subscribers first off about what 
they should be focusing on in terms of financial decision making and the unknowingness of how long we're going to be stretched financially in the midst of this COVID uh, pandemic? Yeah, that's a great question. I I think the first thing is, and I had this with all of my clients that in the very beginning completely panicked, right? And uh, now that we've been through it a bit is to actually look back and say, oh, wow, I made it. I mean, it hasn't been great. It hasn't mm-hmm. maybe been amazing, but I've survived and maybe I've thrived. And so it, to at least acknowledge that it actually went a little bit better than maybe you expected. And the second thing is, this is really a great opportunity to actually start to look at our budgeting, start to look at how our spending habits are going, uh, to really actually reflect. We've been forced to sit with ourselves, um, and probably for a lot of people, it's been very uncomfortable, but it's a great opportunity to start looking at those things. Where did I say something was important? And now that I don't have it, it wasn't so important. And I think priorities have really been shifting since we've been forced to spend more time with each other, at least in our families, and mm-hmm. learning to deal with isolation. Bingo. Well, I first want to thank you for taking a perceivable negative and turning it into a positive because that's very congruently aligned with my messaging of living fearlessly. And the fact that in whatever dire crisis, whatever situation, hardship or level of adversity one might be sitting in, I too have always believed and I always talk staunchly about the fact that there is opportunity in every situation. And usually when we talk about people's purpose, it's a derivative of desperation and pain. It's not about passion because passion can be fleeting. Passions can change throughout the course of one's life. But desperation is generally speaking what really highly propels people into uh, swift action taking and really getting aligned with core values. So I appreciate you opening it up that way. I really do. Well, absolutely. For me, as long as we're breathing, we have an opportunity to have a different outcome. And and everything that we're in is a temporary snapshot of our life. It is not our whole life and it's not who we are. So as long as we're breathing, we have an opportunity to have a different outcome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I 100% subscribe to that myself. So, you know, For me, I think part of the benefit when I look at finances and uh, I correlate that back to COVID, coming from the framework once upon a time in my prior vocation of social services, I generally speaking worked in the nonprofit sector. And so what's really nice for me is coming from that, that particular framework. As a nonprofit, once upon a time, we always had to budget, plan, strategize, uh, be fiscally responsible with the framework of we're expected to do more with less. And that's really helped transcend things in terms of the transitionary period for, for what I've personally found myself in circumstantially as it relates to the pandemic. So what would your thoughts be with regards to that? And what would be some of the tangible examples that you could cite? Some would, of course, be obvious, but again, I don't want to negate the opportunity to impart any level of of your expertise, Bob, or any suggestions that might be pivotal for how people might shift the paradigm on their thinking as it relates to money. Where can people cut back? You know, what is frivolous? What is essential? Uh, What should people be putting more stock in in terms of if they still have money, should they be investing? Should they be holding on to it? what's the relationship between relinquishing money, saving money, hoarding money? Like, let's talk a little bit about that because that's all about behavior. 
Absolutely. Well, I would start with just even the, the term budgeting for so many people uh, connotates negativity. And people are like, I'm overwhelmed. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to look at it. It's restrictive. I look at budgeting as a place and a source of information. Oh, great. I'll be able to do this. Or it helps me plan for something I want to do in the future. So I look at a budget an honest budget as something that's actually going to give me solid information in my decision making so I can be more proactive, intentional and conscious. In terms of where can I start to cut back? The first thing to do is, and most people don't do this, they don't look at their bank statements because if there's money in the bank and the ATM is still working, there's no problems. Uh, but start to look at the bank statements, start to look at your credit card statements, look for reoccurring charges. Are there things are on there like a gym membership uh, or a, a subscription to a, a, an internet or whatever that might not be still being utilized? Get rid of those. Uh, start to look at um, all of your cable bills. Start to look at your cell phone bills. I, you know, I had I had a cell phone bill and I'd gone in to get an upgrade on a phone and they said, hey, we're going to give you a free iPad. And I was like, oh my God, that's so great. Well. I didn't look at my phone bill. Six months later, I discovered I was paying 50 bucks a month <laughs> for a free iPad and an extra phone line for it to work, right? I didn't, I didn't think about it. I was just, oh, it's free. So really start to look at those things. Do you need all the premium cables, um, uh, channels on the cable network and all that stuff? So really start to look at all those bills and, and figure out what's important. Uh, another thing for people, when you're shopping, when you're going to the grocery store, make a list. Stick to the list. Don't shop when you're hungry, right? To actually be very intentional in your purchasing, whether it's food, whether it's just your regular toilet expenses, paper, the toilet paper, <laughs> <laughs> right? Look at all that stuff. And, you know, the thing for me right now, I do feel like because the economy's been a little crazy, we don't know what's coming down the pike. There may be, you know, a reset that negatively impacts people. I think it's important to have cash liquid nearby um, just because we just don't know what the next uh, 12 months may bring. But it's also still important to keep the debt down. Like, don't hold cash in, in, in lieu of creating more debt. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would really just start to look at that balance of, you know, try not to use your credit cards uh, when you're when you're buying groceries, when you're buying necessities, don't pay interest on all those things that are are essentials. Um, it's still important to to put money away for the future. It's still important to invest uh, for people that are not uh, invest investor savvy. Um, there are index funds. There's stuff like you know the VTSAX fund, which is the largest uh, fund that's managed that that has a good return on money but you're not taking significant risks. So if you're, and if you're not sure about things and you want to get more information, ask for help, talk to a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. There's lots of internet resources that have great information. Get informed, actually start to improve your financial literacy. Beautiful. Well, let's talk a little bit about cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff, because there's a lot of people who are starting to see the shift and it's mm -hmm. been emerging for quite some time. But people still are unfamiliar with all of this and to what degree they're going to be impacted or to what degree they're going to have to convert and get with the program. 
um, like many other things technologically that have transformed the way we do business now, the way we do shopping, the way we do anything and everything. So what is your knowledge base with regards to that? What would be your recommendations and to what degree would you be willing to speak about this in layman's terms for the benefit of the listeners and the podcast subscribers, Bob? Yeah. So I think whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's anything that you want to invest in, you have to be willing to lose it, right? Mm -hmm. Investing in Bitcoin or investing in the stock market is basically legal gambling at this point. And so for me, it's always don't invest more than you're willing to lose when it's Mm -hmm. something like Bitcoin and stocks. In terms of Bitcoin and all that stuff, it's interesting. I was I was uh, a keynote speaker at a at a big financial uh, thing, and the uh, one of the head guys for uh, one of the big brokerage houses said, "Listen, I think Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is terrible, but I'm investing fifteen thousand bucks because I don't want to miss the boat in case I'm wrong." Wow! <laughs> right? so, and uh, so it's it's been an interesting ride. I have clients that have turned around and made you know, $100,000, $500,000. I've had clients lose their shirts. I've had a lot of clients right now that are um, just dropping out because they're like, you know what, I don't know it enough and I'm, I'm ahead, so I'm just gonna get out. I definitely think that cryptocurrency and the, the platforms that they use are going to be an integral part of, of how we interact in this society. The thing right now is with Bitcoin and stuff like that, you're supposed to be transacting everything as if it's a capital gain or a capital loss. So if I go out and actually use my Bitcoin, not as an investment to buy a pizza, I technically have a capital gain or loss when I bought that pizza. And and tracking all of this stuff has been very difficult. Uh, they are starting now, the government's starting to come in and make people uh, track that information a little bit uh, more tightly so that that people know to report when they've made profits and made losses. In terms of the novice out there that's just doing this stuff, I don't recommend people just jumping into something unless they do a little bit of research and again, check in with themselves as to what's their comfortability. If I lose all of this, am I okay with that? The other thing, when when you're investing in Bitcoin, when you're investing in the stock market, most of the time, you're looking at the long-term picture. If you're trying to get rich quick, that rarely happens and you've got to be in for the long game. Mm-hmm. And so what's your personal relationship with Bitcoin cryptocurrency? Are, are you, based on your expertise, based on you being able to project uh, you know, the, the markets and the economy and everything going forward, what's your comfortability level with your involvement with it or currently speaking your lack of involvement where do you stand on it bob yeah so i stand i i sort of follow the advice of that senior economist who said i don't want to miss the boat (laughs) right so you know i i said you know what i'm willing to lose ten thousand bucks and Mm -hmm. i put ten thousand bucks in and i have to say about three months in it immediately tanked (laughs) and i was very not happy Right. But but I was also in it for the long game. And so Mm -hmm. I've held on to it. And now I have seen my money go up. And had I just said, well, I I lost and I I cut my losses, then it's for sure a loss. Um, But because I was staying in it for the long game, long haul, uh, I'm actually seeing my money back plus some. Uh, It's not too late. I think it's still going to keep going up. But again, everybody's an expert, but 
it's everybody's guess, right? We, we're, mm-hmm. we're only an expert after the fact when, when we called it right, because it is volatile and things change. And again, it's got to be what's my comfort of losing money. Mm-hmm. And so for the novice who's listening to this show, who wants to know a little bit more specifically, and I don't want to make this too much about the show, yeah. um, but just to garner a little bit more understanding uh, in something that's still relatively new and still unfamiliar to people. So where people aren't looking at Bitcoin or perhaps they've, they're misunderstanding or they don't have the full scope of what it all entails, there are some people and there would be some listeners tuning into this, Bob, who would be based on either misinformation, partial information, skewed information. They would be thinking that Bitcoin cryptocurrency going forward, it's not looked upon primarily as only solely an investment opportunity, but they're looking at the conversion of where the paper bill, the dollar bill is going to be converted into cryptocurrency. Therefore, you need to get a pulse on how this is going to interconnect into your own life as a consumer, as a spender, um, in terms of using Bitcoin potentially at the expense of printed money no longer being in existence. Well, there's a lot of great resources out there. The FTC has great information about it. Uh, Coinbase is a popular for not experts to use and as a resource to track all of that. I, I, I think it is important to understand that, you know, cryptocurrency is digital money. Um, and so I do, there are, you know, there's a couple countries now that are using that as a platform. I think more and more we will start to see this because it it seems at this point to be pretty secure. And again, it's it's not just a long-term investment. I think things in the next five to 10 years are going to change dramatically with the way Bitcoin um, and, and all the other cryptocurrencies really become a part of the culture. Okay. The last thing I'll ask on this particular subject, Bob, is... Um, you know, can you kind of put some perspective on this where people might be working with uh, the presumption or the knowledge base, whether that knowledge base be accurate, inaccurate, semi-quasi truthful, whatever, Um, is Bitcoin cryptocurrency, is it always going to be forecasted in the future as an option or is it going to become mandatorily the way things change where everyone will have to get on board with it? You know, obviously my crystal ball broke, but (laughs) (laughs) um, but I get the sense that maybe in the next 10 years that this will start to be really part of our daily lives. Okay. You know, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow, but I definitely I definitely see this becoming uh, more and more a daily. You know, utilization. Okay. So just an example of it, could one in current times use cryptocurrency to put a down payment on a mortgage as opposed to cash? You can. The, the thing is, it depends on the bank. Some banks will make you cash out and then and then use the cash. Uh, but there are there are businesses out there that do accept uh, cryptocurrency to purchase a house, to buy a car and, and other other large purchases for sure. Okay, super. Well, you've been very helpful for me personally in that domain. So I thank you for that. Sure. Um, 
So let's talk a little bit, when we go back to the inception of one's journey, this is oftentimes how I generally open up uh, mm-hmm. the show with my guests. So, you know, for whatever it is, the person who I'm showcasing is wanting to highlight, talk about, or it's all encompassing in their pur- purpose or their business or, or their branding. Um, generally, there was something that catapulted them in the direction of that becoming a focal point in the trajectory of what my listeners would then come to glean about where this person stands currently in their day-to-day life. So was there something about finances, your childhood, how money was mishandled? Maybe you came from a poor upbringing. What was it about finances that took you on this trajectory, Bob? Yeah, that's such a great question. And I think it's important for all of us to, when it comes to finances or, or wherever we are in our lives, what, what got us there. Yeah. Um, reverse engineer. So when I was uh, younger, we, came from a lower middle income family, probably maybe less than lower. Um, We had a big family and we didn't have a lot of money. um, So we, you know, we didn't eat out a lot. Um, Going to McDonald's was like a huge thing every couple of months. Um, And I saw that other people had a lot of choice. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, I have a lot of artists and folks in my family. And I also saw them as not having a lot of financial freedom. And so I had this mindset of if I follow my creativity, if I follow those things, music and art, uh, that it's not going to pay off. Mm-hmm. And I really want to be able to have financial freedom to actually be able to say, no, I don't want to do that. Or yes, I want to do that and actually be my choice. Mm-hmm. So when I got to college, I went to a private liberal arts college where a lot of people had a lot of wealth. I was there on scholarship and I was like, wow, <laughs> there's a lot of wealth. <laughs> right. And they had a lot of choice. And so I really focused on, I actually wanted to go to law school. And so I took accounting just as a, to help my, my grade point, uh, because it was an easy A, uh, mm-hmm. but I was <laughs> for everybody. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, so I was not, to to- not me, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, you know, as I, was doing all my constitution law and law and legal research, I realized I didn't really like some of the attorneys and folks that I was meeting. And I realized, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, hmm. And, you know, it was such a game of like how to get on, how to get ahead, how to get ahead, how to win, how to win. And the accounting was just something that came really easy for me. And I decided to go into accounting. I'd, I'd taken all the classes. And so I decided to go for my CPA. What I learned along the way is once I got my CPA, I was still struggling financially. Mm-hmm. And people that were in lower jobs, you know, in quotes, uh, were doing better financially than me. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I was still pursuing my creativity. I was doing stand up, and a lot of my friends didn't have money. And I realized, oh my gosh, there's a mindset here. There's something going on. I need to start looking back and figuring things out. And what I did learn for myself was when my parents got divorced, my mom said to me, you need to be really successful so that my, that myself and the rest of your siblings can have the life we deserve. And I thought, well, I don't want that pressure. I I was going to say no pressure. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, now she may have been joking, right? She may have been joking, but I took it to heart. Mm -hmm. And so, so the reason I want to say that is I'm not putting the blame on her. I absorbed it in a way that I took on this responsibility and said, I'm going to make sure that I'm always broke so that if she ever asks for money, I can honestly say, (laughs) I don't have any. (laughs) It worked. You go to McDonald's on your own dime, mom. (laughs) 
exactly. And uh, but it didn't serve me, right? In the right. long run, it cost me, and <laughs> it was painful to have to go back and and sort of do the work and look at these places where I had been self sabotaging because I was afraid to step into my power and to step into like really what I wanted. Well, and because you're coming from the premise, like your motivating factor was still submerged in the energetic field of things that were uh, contingent on lack. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so, and so when you're trying to embark upon something that contradicts the energy field that you're in, it doesn't support the vision, the manifestation or what's required to get yourself out of that lack mindset. You've got to, you've got to believe it to see it. Therefore, even if you weren't particularly at that juncture of what you uh, were wanting to aspire to come out on the receiving end of once yeah. upon a time or eventually, you know, you, you've got to do everything that's going to cooperatively set the stage to make that even possible. So if, if every risk you're taking is still mired in the energy of what if I fail? What if I don't make money? What if I lose my shirt? Well, guess what's going to happen? You're going to lose your shirt. Absolutely. And you know, and I think the additional pressure, and I, I, I think a lot of people will relate to this, is I believed that I am my successes. I am my achievements. So now there's a double pressure of if I fail, then I have no self-value as well, right? Mm -hmm. So, and, and, it took me a long, and it took me a long time to realize uh, that my net worth and my self-worth are not the same things and that I'm not my accomplishments. I'm much more than that. Well, because it's 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 more so aligned and contingent with internal wealth, mm -hmm. right? Yes. So to the degree that you value your own currency as a human being and to the degree that you believe in yourself with whatever it is you're aspiring to want to do to incrementally or progressively get yourself on the right trajectory of where you want to go, uh, that's all indicative of the value uh, you hold yourself in. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, I and I, I think this speaks to, you know, the, the name of your podcast, Living Fearlessly. I spent so much of my life living in fear mm. of what are people going to say? What if I fail? Uh, if I'm successful, people will judge me. Uh, what if I don't have it right? What if I make a mistake? And so there were all these things that I kept myself in a little box. And so I could see the rest of the world, but I couldn't get out of the box. And once I did the work and and really actually learned that when you step up and step out, people might come at you, people might be jealous, people might not rally for your success, uh, people might criticize you, you might get it wrong. It's still worth going for it anyway and learning to tolerate uh, what might come at me as opposed to just hiding from anything that I've imagined will come my way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, I, I've interviewed um, one of the people that I've interviewed, Jack Canfield. So, of course, he's the creator, founder, CEO of the whole Chicken Soup for the Soul series empire. So he skyrocketed after X amount of rejections because people thought the title of his book was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, when we talk about the misconceptions or the misnomers that are oftentimes affiliated with one's perception of money or people who have wealth, uh, and then how they get perceived, you know, well, if you were an asshole before you had money, you're just going to be an <laughs> asshole with money. You right? totally are. Times right? 10. <laughs> Times 10. So this is, this is what I don't understand in terms of people's moronic views on people with money, because if you're altruistically 
already a good person. And then you've got X amount of dollars in conjunction with being that altruistic, generous person who's only ever committed in whatever degree you want to, you feel a compulsion to do so in terms of paying it forward or being of service. Well, look at all the people that therefore stand to benefit as a result of you getting your relationship right with money, where you're just accentuated to what degree you can be a giver. You know, absolutely. That is so true. It's, it's, it's interesting when I do workshops, I'll ask people, um, who wants to be rich? Who wants to be a millionaire? Everybody's like, me, me, me. Mm-hmm. Then we'll do an exercise. What do you think about rich people? They suck. They're mean. They're <laughs> evil. Selfish. They're greedy. <laughs> They're egocentric. Right? They're egocentric. And and for a lot of people, their ego is tied to the money. And and when we're when we're when we're feeding our ego, it it's it's not going to have a good outcome, my experience, in the long run, if we're just feeding our ego. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, there's no longevity to anything that's worth having if you're, already gonna, if you're always going to be, uh, even at the subconscious level, you're always going to implode yourself, right? Or self-destruct. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, things only continue to grow, whether you're talking about your bank account, you're talking about your portfolio, you're talking about your inner wealth as it pertains to your social circle, you know, the, the thriving livelihood of your family, you know, that, that again, always comes back to, it's an internal job. So what is your value system? You know, what is your relationship with self? Because if your relationship with self is wonky, every other aspect of abundance versus lack, that's going to show up. It's going to show up in your relationships. It's going to show up in your bank account. It's going to show up in everything. It, it so is. And that's why I talk about, um, I really talk about integrity and not uh, giving up your integrity uh, for a buck. Yeah. You know, one of the things I have a lot of clients, I work with people, uh, I would rather lose money uh, than lose the relationship or lose my integrity. Um, yes. Because that's hard to get back. And uh, it, it's just not worth it to me because I'm invested in sustainable relationships mm-hmm. and I'm invested in like, lifting people up. I'm not looking to see how can I squeeze another five bucks out of somebody uh, for a a, a momentary gratification. Brilliant. Brilliant. So let's talk a little bit about your book, because I want the rest of the world who's tuning in, given how much exposure there is on this program and the guests who I showcase on a weekly basis. Let's talk about what motivated you to write your book, how you know, the premise of it being what it was, because there's a lot of people who write financial books, but they come from a different framework. So let's talk about your book, where people can get your book. Let's talk about your podcast, the types of people that you're more inclined to want to synergistically interview, how people can connect with you. Absolutely. So the the book was written, uh, the idea came to me when I was actually at the comedy store. Um, and one of my friends came in and she was crying because her family of all doctors had just shamed her into choosing being a comic. And I said to her, you know what? Most people don't have their finances together. All the people that you think are so amazing. If you saw what I saw, you wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Mm. She was like, what? I'm like, everybody is presenting. And, and so you don't really need to keep beating yourself up. You're not the only person that didn't get the financial download and there's no shame in that. And what I realized was that so many people are ashamed of their past financial choices or where they are currently in life and they feel alone. And so I wanted to write this book and start conversations about money to help remove the stigma of shame and to let people know 
they're not alone, that most of us didn't get the download. Most of us didn't get financial literacy. And it's okay. We can still empower ourselves and do it now. So that was that's where it came from to start. Beautiful. Well, and I love that. I, I absolutely love that for every possible reason one could love that because, you know, there is so much shaming and stigmatization um, and then people internalize that. So it's not just this screwed up messaging you get from everyone external to you, but it's it's the blueprint of how that then gets indoctrinated or the social conditioning that you grew up in, you know, where it's like, oh, don't bring out the China, save everything for a special occasion, right. or you know what, save everything for retirement, even though you might be too ill or dead by then to enjoy right. the quality of life. So, you know, there's a lot of people working with, unfortunately, a lot of misinformation in terms of establishing the ability in reversing course on this so that they can establish a healthy relationship with money. They can understand that, you know, by having money, achieving money, wanting money, wanting to accumulate more money, it doesn't make you egocentric. It doesn't make you selfish, particularly if your reasons and your motivation for wanting to do so, it's to, you know, accentuate and enhance the richness of other people's lives in the way of generosity, in terms of being the walking, talking, breathing example of what it is to give back, to never forget humble beginnings, never forget where you came from. And so it's like no differently to any other aspect of life. You know, whether you compare it to education, whether you compare it to wanting to pick up a new language, uh, whether it's like you've been divorced and now you're looking for new traits that are more aligned with who you are going forward and in, in having a more uh, healthy relationship. You know, you can't appreciate what you stand to gain if you're not able, willing to do the contrast of what didn't work for me once upon a time. You know, that doesn't have to be the barometer for your standards going forward. You, we always should be rising, raising our standards. We should always want more out of life. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I think one of the places where people get confused about money and abundance is, you know, there's that old quote in the Bible, uh, the love of money. But people hear money is the root of all evil. And it's actually the love of. So it's the obsession of. Uh, money does amazing, wonderful things. It allows us to pay things forward. It allows us to be of service. It allows us to leave a legacy. It allows us so much opportunity, but many people get locked up in, well, then I'm going to be greedy, uh, or I don't deserve it, or somebody else should have is more deserving. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so it's so important to get really aware of what's my truth. What do I stand for? And, and really get clear of, it's okay to want to be of service to the world and have money to do that. That's, that's not a bad thing. It's a beautiful uh, thing. It's a beautiful thing. And, and, and so I think so many people get locked in to old stories as children. And, and that's where I think a lot of this stuff gets picked up where we, we start to take stories as truth or we yeah. start to take experiences when we lost the lunch money or somebody, you know, we lost our wallet and then we make a story up at, at five, six years old and hold on to that when we're 30, 40 and 50 saying, no, that's the truth. When I was five years old, I wrote this down. It's true. <laughs> and <Right. laughs> we need to go back and say, okay, time for an up, 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 you know, software upgrade. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and it's so important what you say too, Bob, because it's like, you know, until you start to question to what degree you believe in things, no matter whether that was impressed upon you, whether, you know, it was what was spoon fed to you three times a day, 
for a good portion of your upbringing and that becoming, you know, your solid foundation for how you garner or look upon the world or how you incorporate truth. And then you execute upon that as truth. And, you know, it's important to also recognize whether we're talking about money or we're talking about anything that's fundamental to our overall personal growth, personal development, success, happiness, abundance, uh, all of that combined, you know, look at where you're getting your advice from. If you're recycling the advice of people who never got it right in the first place or don't know what it's like to have wealth or don't know what it's like to be ahead of the game or they're the same people who are perpetually always in the same cycles of toxicity or uh, lack or lack mindset or and that being reflective of everything in their lives you know are these the people you really want to take your advice from even if it is your mom even if it is your dad even if it is your partner even if it is whomever whomever you know at some point you got to go consider the source and 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 look at the people who have done it right done it successfully where that may have not necessarily been the case in their journey once upon a time, but look at the fact that they changed their mindset and, and get on board with what is it that they've done to create and amass this for themselves. That's who I need to look at. That's who I need to take advice from. Those are the books I need to read. Those are the podcasts I need to listen to. Those are the people I need to get mentored and coached by. Absolutely. I, you know, when I passed my CPA, my mentor said to me, uh, you may have to leave some of your friends behind. And I was so offended, right? Because I had a belief that I had to bring everybody with me. No. Nope. I had to bring <laughs> I had to bring my family. I had to bring my friends. Anybody that did an act of kindness towards me, I had to bring everybody, which is a that you know, that's that's a big dead load weight. to carry. Dead weight. <laughs> it's dead it, weight. It's so important to surround yourself with friends who will hold you accountable for your actions. But I but there's there's a difference. You know, I had somebody one time I said, um, you know, if I if I misstep or something, I really hope that you'll let me know. And they're like, oh, I'll let you know. And I said, well, I actually want somebody to actually help me off the pedestal with love and kindness and compassion. Don't push <laughs> me off the pedestal. <laughs> like, Don't kick me when I'm down, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Like, give it give me a little love with this. Like, give me some love and kindness. Um, I want to I want to be held accountable, but I don't want to be shamed. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk about your podcast. Where can people tune into your podcast? How often do you roll it out? What kinds of guests do you generally showcase, Bob? So uh, the podcast can be found on all the podcast platforms, Podchaser, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, we have a, mm -hmm. so many different guests. I, I've had Golden Globe uh, Actress Award winners. Uh, I've had um, the former director of Goldman Sachs. Um, I, I try to talk to people uh, just to tell their stories, I just, uh, uh, Trudy Goodman, uh, uh, mindfulness, um, a lot of different people to, to share their stories of what they learned as a child, what they observed from their parents, um, any blocks or beliefs that they've carried into their personal lives currently, uh, where do they still struggle? I think a lot of people, to your listeners out there, um, think that, oh, once somebody gets success, they don't have to do any more work. Oh, I figured it out. I never have to go back. And that's so not true. People that have success still have fear, still have uh, blind spots, still have to do the work on accountability for their money, for mm -hmm. their actions, for their impact. Like it doesn't just end that you arrive somewhere. This is a lifelong journey mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's not a bad thing. Uh, we get to keep evolving and changing. 
Well, I would argue that, you know, again, in spite of the misconceptions that people have in thinking that if somebody's aspired to a certain level, that the hard work, as you said, you know, all of a sudden it comes to an abrupt halt. Nothing could be further from the truth, because once you've acquired a certain level, then the hard task is not only how do you build upon it, how do you sustain it? Right. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing, you know, a lot of times I'll come on shows and people will say, here's Bob, he's an expert. And I'll say, no, 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 I'm not an expert. I'm a person with a lot of experience. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've made a lot of mistakes. Uh, I, I've done it. I haven't done everything right. And I think that's so important for people to know that, like when I talk about money and when I talk about investing and things, I've I've made a lot of mistakes. I've done some really embarrassing things. Um, I don't come from a place of being better than anybody else. I'm I'm a person just like everybody else. And and so it's so important to understand that you see these people and you say, oh, my God, they have it figured out. They're still figuring it out. They're still doing the work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, perfect example of that in terms of recognition for the listeners, that would be the same of Grant Cardone or Tony Robbins, you know, where people would say, oh, you got, you know, why, why are you still working? You could stop right now and you would be like, fine, you would be ahead of the game and, and ahead of the curve and you would still be within that 1% and you would never have to per- perceivably work another day in your life. Right. Well, because it's not about how much X amount of dollars, it's about they're committed to the growth of their own expansion. And it's not about being in competition with other people. It's about only being in competition with themselves, being the best version of themselves and, and, and being better than they were 15 minutes ago. Absolutely. It's, it's a mindset. It, it, the money is just secondary. Like the extra money is gravy. Um, I, I find that most people that have success, if you, if you talk to people long enough, uh, it comes down to uh, gratitude. Uh, always, always. <laughs> and we, and it's so, like, that was not something that I understood for, for a while because I was so busy trying to get ahead and run the hamster wheel and get lots of money and have lots of accolades. Um, and then I went to Africa and people over there were joyous. And mm-hmm. I'm like, what is going on with you people? Don't you understand how bad you have it? <laughs> How can you be happy? What's going on? Let me help you to stop being so happy. And uh, right, you know, it really messed with me. And and it really, I realized, oh my God, you know, I've been grateful, but I haven't been grateful. Mm-hmm. And it started, and that's really what started me on the journey of like, what do I, what do I want to really want to bring to the world? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think deep down, we all want to be in connection. We all want to be in community. We all want to matter. We want to be loved and we want to have impact. Even the person that you think is the evilest, whatever, deep down, we all want to have a positive impact in the world. I truly believe that. Absolutely. Well, I love your metaphor, your parallel there with Africa, because again, it denotes and it hits home and it underscores that you have to be happy on purpose. Right. If your if your happiness is always contingent upon external outcomes, accolades, things that could be gone as quickly as what they came, then you're you're screwed. 
Yeah. You're absolutely screwed because circumstances will never perfectly align. There's always going to be, you know, some roadblocks, some adversity, some hardship that you're going to have to overcome. But knowing that to be true and knowing that being an ongoing aspect of the reality of day-to-day -day life and day-to-day -day living, and we know that more so than ever in the midst of this pandemic, yeah. you know, you have to make the decision every day that no matter what life throws at you, you're going to set out to be happy on purpose. Absolutely. Absolutely. Be, happiness is a choice. Um, finding gratitude is, is a great habit to establish and nurture. Um, and for me too, I, you know, I think there was a period where I was probably a little cocky. Um, and I think it's important to be humble. Like yeah. I really don't want to feed my ego. Uh, I want to feed my heart. And yes. that doesn't mean that I don't get caught up sometimes in my ego. And sometimes I have my little hissy fits and somebody has to slap me straight, you know, <laughs> but, but I'm conscious of it. And so it doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I'm going to, I really want to strive towards like not knowing everything and being open instead of look at me, everybody owes me something, bow down. Like, that's just not, that's not where I want to be. It's not what I'm about. Absolutely. Well, I just want to clarify too, not just for my benefit, Bob, but for the listening audience, because you're kind of like the money guy, people would want to know, are the guests that you welcome onto your show or invite onto your show, do they have to be within a certain financial bracket to cut the, the bill to be on your show? Or do you not at all? Okay, not at all. I've had, I've had millennials. I've got uh, an eighth grader coming on um, in, in the next month. Um, I like to talk to people from all walks of life because what I want my listeners to know is there's so many different ways that we view money. There's so many different ways we view abundance and we've all made different mistakes. But when you hear other people talk about, you know, I've got super, super incredibly successful people talking about their failings, talking about their missteps. That's so empowering as mm. a listener to say, oh my gosh, I did that too. Yes. I'm not Absolutely. alone. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and that that message in itself, that's more important of a message that I think we all need to collectively hear right now. And that branches off to all tentacles of life, all domains and aspects of life. Like you're not alone. You might feel alone. You might feel isolated in your particular set of circumstances, but I assure you, you are not. And being vulnerable is a strength. It's not a weakness. So when you feel like you're going under or you feel like, you know, because let's face it, we don't know what we don't know. And we can't be a so-called expert on every aspect of life. But when you recognize that you're deficient or you're not as proficient as what you should be, it is your level of due diligence, whether we're talking about mental health, whether we're talking about finances, whether we're talking about resources, networking, marketing, whatever the case may be, you know in this world, it's a digital world. You know everybody is connected, at least online. So if you know what your problem is and you're committed to the solution and you want a solution and you want to be solution-oriented as opposed to being problem-saturated, then there has to be a level of due diligence and personal responsibility and accountability to say, I don't know what I don't know, but I know what I need and I can't stay in this space any longer and then go reach out. And if it falls upon deaf ears or it's not the right fit, move on to the next person because by doing that, eventually it's going to align for you. It's going to align. Absolutely. And that's the beauty. You know, when I do workshops, I'm, I always remind people, you have a left arm and a right arm. You can reach out with both. There's support on both sides. And if there's not, you got two legs to pick them up and move you somewhere else and reach out again. 
it's so important for people to know that it's okay to ask for help. It's vital because I tell people around me, I'm not a mind reader. I yeah. sometimes have a good sense, but sometimes I miss the boat. And I, I want to be able to help you if I know that I can. But if you don't ask me, I don't know. Well, and a big part of being self-empowered, even if you don't feel like you're coming from a place of personal power, even if you feel like you're at your weakest or you're feeling your most downtrodden, the first thing you could do to elevate and shift the energy within yourself so as to become more self-empowered is to use your voice, find your voice, and go get the help that you need. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's Life is too short. Uh, I know for myself, I kept myself held back for years out of fear. And the moment I made that decision that I want to show up in the world, I want to shine and I want to just be the best version of myself, even if nobody else likes it, I'm still going to show up because I want to bring what I want to bring. Well, and you've got to ultimately be the one that looks at yourself in the mirror. You know, if you're walking your talk when it comes yeah. to internal truth, right? Yeah. So you're, you're, and I appreciate you saying that because that is so true. A lot of people will renege on following through on the vision they hold for themselves because if in their minds, they don't feel they have enough people or the right people or the people they want to so-called impress to be, you know, with them in their camp and be their tribe and tribe, you know, vibe attract tribe and all of that. If they feel that they don't get the buy-in from the people they think they need yeah. or the people they think they want, well, it's not their life, right? I mean, yeah. everybody looks at happiness very differently. Everybody defines success very differently. But at the end of the day, you've got to love your life. You've got to love yourself. And you, you're the one that's got to wake up and then therefore be accountable to whatever you signed up to your vision becoming. So, other people can have a say, they can be a critic, they can be a fan, they can be a whatever. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Are you congruently aligned with the life that you want to lead? And if the answer on any level is no, it's your responsibility to change it. It absolutely is. And I can tell you, I, especially living in Los Angeles and being in the entertainment world, it's so exhausting to be a person that's just presenting all the time. Look how yeah. amazing my life is. Look how rich I am. Look how successful. That's exhausting. You know, if it's authentically who they are, fantastic. But there are so many people, um, and that's one person we don't have on our shows ever is presenters. I don't want people that I did everything perfect since I was three. There's nothing to <laughs> learn there. There's I came out of the womb without <laughs> blood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like I need the vulnerability. I need authenticity um, in my life, and I don't want to waste my time trying to present to people. If people don't like me, great. There's plenty of people that do if like it's to get caught up in, in that, um, is just so much energy wasted and often with little reward. Well, and the other thing is to, you know, I don't know what kind of Kool-Aid those people feel that other people are drinking around them, that they would buy into that as, as genuine or as authentic, because oftentimes the people who want to hide the failures, want to hide the extreme of emotions that we all as human beings are on the pendulum of swinging all over the place at different times in our life. Well, you know, if you're trying to get people to buy into you or to resonate with you, but you're coming across as contrived or your message is fabricated or you're superhuman and nothing's ever gone awry and you don't make mistakes and judgment calls are always a bingo and everything's a bullseye. And well, you know what? You've just lost everybody right there and then because they know right. it's a crock of shit. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And we're all on our journeys. We're all at different places. 
And we just like, if you can trust yourself that you're on the right journey and keep asking yourself, asking your, your inner compass, am I happy? Is this what I want out of life? Is this how I want to show up and keep adjusting, keep adjusting the dial, uh, until you're, you're absolutely saying, yes, that's, this is where I want to be. And I want to keep, and I want to keep fine tuning that even when I get on course. Yes. Yes. Very, very true. Very important uh, point there, Bob. So being cognizant of time, I'd like to give you the opportunity because we all, again, like everything else in life, it's subjective. We interpret things differently based on our lens, our experiences, uh, our perspectives. But what does living fearlessly mean to you, Bob? Living fearlessly means that I'm going to go and push through any fears that I have. It doesn't mean that I'm without fear. Uh, Mm -hmm. It does mean that I'm going to take the risks I'm going to push through. For me, I like to go towards what I fear um, and make sure, you know, yep, that didn't kill me. So to me, it's really about showing up as the best version of yourself, being willing to make mistakes, being willing to get it wrong, being willing to get yourself back on course and just continuing to, for me, it's about uh, being of service to other people, staying in integrity and, and having an impact. Beautiful. And does living fearlessly also to you mean, Bob, that you're going to have Lisa McDonald on your podcast? Oh, absolutely. You You better believe it. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's without question. Okay. uh, But it's good not to assume. It's good not to assume. Well, uh, that's right. I assume nothing. Right. (laughs) You you know what they say about assume. Make a mess of you and me. Exactly. Exactly. So again, being cognizant of time, uh, Bob, I want to give you another opportunity. Where can people reach you, whether it be website, whether it be the name of your podcast, again, where people can buy your book, or if people want to do a one-on-one consultation, or they want to hire you to be a speaker at their now virtual online event, where can people reach you? Absolutely. So the best place is themoneynerve.com, and that's nerve as in it hits a nerve, not nerd. I'm a money nerd, (laughs) but it's the money nerve, N-E-R-V-E. Uh, you can, uh, check me out there, uh, info at the money nerve. Uh, we answer people, people reach out to us. Happy to do that. Money you should ask is the podcast and, uh, that we've got a lot of resources. We really love helping people get into an abundant mindset and reach out to us. We will reach back out. Fantastic. Well, you struck a lot of bullseye nerves with me and and I'm sure the the global radio listeners and the podcast subscribers and so for what we unpacked in this short finite period of time I can't thank you enough Bob I thank you for your personal stories I appreciate your wealth of knowledge and uh, your time the gift of your time and and the fact that we're all going to benefit from having you on living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald today so from the center of my heart I want to say thank you so much I look forward to being in ongoing uh, contact with you I look forward to being a guest on your podcast to everybody who's listening once the podcast link gets uploaded for those who weren't necessarily in a position to hear the live show play it back take notes and reach out to Bob your future self will thank you I assure you of that to the loyal listeners I want to say thank you once again for the gift of your time for tuning into myself and my guest Bob Wheeler today here on living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald I'm exceptionally clear on my purpose my purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more until next week when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest I want to wish you all my best stay safe stay healthy and stay uplifted love and gratitude to all of you including to you too Bob take care all my best bye-bye 
Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.